Hello, hello, and welcome to Millennial Notebook. My name is Stella. And my name is Emily. And here we talk about living life as a millennial in the modern age. Get comfy, grab your notebook, and let's enjoy the ride together. Hey, everyone. So there's this fun thing that I wanted to talk about with emily first before we start the episode but just like Ooh, i just realized yes. your seasons are flipped over there in new zealand oh i can't so, believe you never thought of that um yeah <laughs> well so, you don't have in the philippines you don't really have seasons do you because it's quite close to the equator. i mean we have a consistently hot and humid summer all year mm, round gross. Uh, it's a season <laughs> we do have it but just it's it's we don't have changes in the seasons, yes. Yeah, uh, but wow. here in Japan, right? So I experience the seasons just like, uh, uh, I suppose, oh my gosh, geography, but like the rest of uh, Europe, the northern, America. Yeah, northern hemisphere. Yeah, the northern hemisphere. And uh, yeah, so we are moving into the summer for mm. us here in japan how about you how are so you are moving into winter winter oh that's so interesting yeah so we're just uh what is it the first of yeah june july august so yeah we've just started our winter so um most of the trees are pretty barren got leaves everywhere so interesting um yeah it's probably in the last two or so weeks um because i bike to work Mm -hmm. um i've noticed it's a little bit more chilly than it um has been so Mm. um usually once the sun comes out it warms up a little bit but there's this like bite in the air till about 10 o'clock in the morning sometimes even till 12 um my hands and my fingers start to freeze so i just bought some new gloves (laughs) to keep them warm when i'm biking but um yeah, our summers. Uh, sorry, our winters here are actually really nice. Um, generally speaking, does it? Snow? Um, it does snow, but uh, most of our cities are coastal. So, our um, we yeah, our cities are coastal, so we don't we don't get snow in the cities as such. Interesting. Um, we used to get a lot more of it, but um, you know, thanks to global warming, <laughs> um, snow usually settles up in the mountains and in the high country. So you have to go about an hour out of the cities usually to find a bit of snow on the hills. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I love winter. It's so nice. Um, I love a crisp, sunny day <laughs> where it's like this crisp sort of feeling in the air, but like the sun shining because obviously, again, thanks to global warming, um, we don't have an ozone layer. <laughs> so. Oh. I don't know if you knew this, but when I was living in Japan, the weirdest thing for me was when the sun was fully, like, shining, you couldn't feel the sun on your skin. Like, you couldn't feel it, like, seep. Like, because in New Zealand, and you'll experience this when you come here, um, any time of the year, if you put your hand out in the sun for mm. about five minutes, mm. it gets really hot and it stings. Like, it's, Ooh. it's yeah, like, it burns. Um it's a, it's an interesting but quite a nice feeling, but obviously it comes with sunburn. But um, yeah, you have to be really careful because it's really easy to get sunburn here. Is that why um, a lot of, um, and I only hear about Australia, and that's why I'm mentioning it, but yeah. that's why a lot of Australians get skin cancer yes, more so that's why, than the yeah, rest that's of why, the world. Um, yeah, New Zealand and Australia have the highest um, melanoma rates mm. in the world because of their ozone gap. Um, but it's, it's kind of nice in winter because you can still feel the sun. Like you go out of the sun and it like you feel freezing, but then you go into the (laughs) sun and it's like, it like warms you up and you're like, oh, such a nice, but in Japan, I never, it it never really felt like that. It was in summer, you just feel hot, 
because it's like kind of hot and humid. And then in winter, it's just like, oh, the sun's out, but I'm still freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I love winter as well. I mean, if I had to mm. choose between winter or summer, I would go for winter. Yeah. And I'm talking about like winter down here in uh, Asia or maybe over there as well in New Zealand. Yeah. I wouldn't at least I probably wouldn't say the same if I were living higher up. For example, if I were in Russia, I wonder if I would say the same <laughs> thing or like uh, somewhere near the North Pole. I'd probably be damning the damning the cold. The, the cold. Yeah. So easy yeah. for me to say at this moment. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I love a good good winter chill. Yeah, me too. I think we both like the cold much more than we like the heat. You know what we should do? We should just, we should move up to Sapporo. (laughs) Yeah, we should do that. that. I've been waiting for you to move to Japan for the longest time. I know, I'm coming. I'm getting there. I just got to figure out how to get the cats there, find a job, get the boyfriend to go. (laughs) Yeah, so many things, but we're all just waiting here on standby for you, baby. (laughs) Anyway. I'm coming. I'll come. I'll come see you. <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, as a continuation uh, of our previous episode, episode 19, um, Struggling mm-hmm. and Surviving Mental Illness. So we promised to share our stories. And so this is uh, the form of this episode. It's going to be yeah. almost like a story form where we will walk you yeah. through our experiences of dealing with mental illness and disorder when we first noticed it how Mm -hmm. we uh treated it or are treating it and how uh how it's working out so far so Mm, it's gonna be a fun episode we'll try to uh keep it both detailed and not as long as uh you know because we're kind of chunking our whole lives (laughs) into a few minutes yeah good luck (laughs) we'll try not to make it too long but okay so let's start with emily i'd love to hear your story so um where did it begin like walk me through it oh interesting Um, how did you notice kind of what, what I do you think, think the triggered it? Oh, I don't. Mm, okay, this is really hard. I can't pinpoint an exact time in my life, mm-hmm. but I can tell you when I first started to go to therapy. So we talked about in the last episode when I was first um, when I first went to therapy and mm. was given some antidepressants to sort of help me get through that experience. At what age? Um, so that was after I came back from Japan. Mm. Um, Catalyst being coming back from Japan. <laughs> Let's just say I loved my experience in Japan, but I perhaps was not as prepared as I could have been to live on my own. <laughs> mm. um, you were in so your early say, 20s, was it? I think, what was it? It was 25, 24, mm. 25, and I'm 27 now. So actually not that long ago. It was 2019 mm. um, where I first went to therapy um, and kind of, kind of figured things out a little bit and started to pay a little bit more attention to my mental health because I kind of done my own sort of therapy for a long time. I kind of, I was pretty good at keeping myself or getting myself out of the holes that I tend to dig myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, I would say that was the first time that I, um, I kind of did something about it. But that being said, I've struggled with my mental health for a really long time, even since I was a little kid. Um, so, I mean, the memory that comes to my head that's kind of like the most prominent was in my eighth year of school, so year eight. 
of school, which was like just before high school. Mm. Um, I had a really interesting class that was pretty awful. I didn't have any friends in that class Mm. um, for the first time in years. Um, I didn't have any friends in that class. I didn't know anyone in that class. I had the worst home teacher. She was like, oh, she was awful. She was all about Mm. PE. I think she was like an ex-Olympian or something. Oh. She was an absolute cow hated her <laughs> oh <laughs> um she was all about PE she was really tough she was like like no nonsense just really unlikable Un- she was really unloving to oh, put it no. in a way like she just she didn't have a, like warmth to her she was probably a good teacher but she just she was lacking warmth and all this sort of thing that I was used to having and pretty much every teacher I'd had to that point mm. and I just didn't have any friends I really I, I, there was this like group of popular girls that I was like fringe like on the fringe yeah friend like I wasn't their friends like they wouldn't invite me to their um, birthday parties but I also wasn't um like absolutely excluded mm. so, yeah really weird they were just really catty girls or their sense of humor wasn't right. Or there was just, I don't know, they were mean, but they weren't malicious. Right. Just popular girl sort of things. Anyways, yeah. that's probably the first time that I really experienced that, where I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to get out of bed. I hated school, which was a rarity for me, I think, till that point. I was pretty mm. good about school. Hated it. Didn't want to go. Hated my, um, my homeroom teacher. I just didn't. I hated it. And that was the first time I really felt that, like, I don't want to get out of bed feeling. Mm. Um, so I was probably 12, 13 at that time. And then throughout high school, I think I had a lot of, uh, low periods. I got rejected by a boy, (laughs) which like crushed my soul. Um, and I refused to go to school for like three days. Oh my gosh, you're so cute. And, um, yeah, I hated that. That sucked. And that was kind of the first time I was just like, I just don't like this anymore. And, uh, yeah, I really struggled with depression through that through that point in my life as well. Um, like an angsty teen depression, you know? Yeah. Like that. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand the world. You know, my grades are f- falling very slowly. <laughs> just things yeah. like that. Like, it just wasn't good. But um, I guess when it kind of really hit me was my first year of university, first time living at a home. Mm. Um, weirdly enough, it was one of those things like, I was so excited to leave the house. I was sick of being under my parents' control. I had my boyfriend. You know, we were going strong. We were going to uni together. Still Jonathan, by the way, if you're wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, it was just all these really good things were happening. I was going to uni. I got into the course that I really wanted to go to. I was so excited about uni. And then I got into the uni experience, living Mm -hmm. in a hall, which, if you know anything about, like, frat houses and, like, you'd seen american teen movies yeah it was kind of like the new zealand version of that Mm. (laughs) um but less organized fratty sort of stuff i just felt uncomfortable about um bringing around all the drinking and stuff i wasn't at that point drinking um Mm. alcohol letters so it's just around this like it was just it was the whole experience was really uncomfortable i think it's probably the best way to put it i felt really uncomfortable there especially during the evenings we had rowdy boys on our floor who would do like these things that i will not like discuss because it was actually disgusting some of the things i did oh, I um I <laughs> yeah it was pretty gross <laughs> just really dumb immature shit that i just was too mature for like it was quite mature for my age 
So mm. that was the first time I felt anxiety, I think, for the first time in my life, where I was anxious. I didn't want to go out of my room. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to go out. Like, mm. and I, I held Jonathan back from a lot of his experiences, too, because of it, too. So anxiety mm. kind of gripped me. Um, and I wouldn't say I was depressed. I think I was just anxious. And the mm. anxi- anx- anxiety or the anxiousness just kind of bubbled up and... It was either explosive anger, like, you know, I'm stuck in my room and I hate it. (laughs) Or it was, I don't know what to do. I'm just like a bundle of nerves all the time. So that wasn't good. And then, um, you know, throughout my working life, I, I was pretty all over the place. Like, I think pretty much since my entire life, I've been all over the place. Like, I have stints of like really good, high motivation. I'm feeling great. Things are new. Things are exciting. And then, you know, anxiety will take over or I feel anxious about something. And then I start to feel really depressed about it. And so I get into these like two yearly sprints of like feeling good, feeling good, feeling normal, feeling okay, feeling a bit anxious, depressed. And then things get better. And mm. then goes back up to like, mm, I'm okay, I'm okay, good, 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 things are great. Mm. So I have these like huge ebbs and flows every, it's, I could probably map it out for every two years. Mm. And it has been since to this day, um, pretty much. Mm. And, or it'll be catalyst by work or something like that. And so, um, yeah, anxiety, depression, it's kind of just always been there. But um, I would say recently, um, don't know why I looked into it um but it was ADHD that I looked into because Mm -hmm. of my cousin I think I was kind of going through a reflective period where I was taking ownership of my mental health Mm -hmm. you know after I came back from Japan um I went back into studies just to kind of keep my brain busy and um I wanted to kind of improve myself and do something because I was kind of doing a dead-end job at the time Mm -hmm. um I, I wanted to do something I wanted to improve so I went back to school and you know i was talking to her about things and she's like huh this sounds very familiar and she's my cousin so we have genetic makeup that is very similar Mm. and she's like have you looked into adhd and i'm like i literally was like no like why why would i look into adhd that's ridiculous Mm. (laughs) you know knowing what most people know about adhd hyperactive little white boys who um cause trouble and you know misbehave and so I was really taken aback. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much since then, I've just gone on this little um, train of finding as much as I could about ADHD and learning about it, um, you know, figuring out how it relates to me, if it does relate to me. Mm. And um, then, you know, in the last sort of six months, I've been on a process of getting a diagnosis for it because it's kind of the thing that makes the most sense. Um right. So, yes, I would say I have bouts of depression and I have anxiety in general. Mm. But, you know, I wouldn't categorize myself as someone with chronic depression or major depressive um, disorder. Disorder, But, um, yeah, so that's why I looked into ADHD. And um, that's where I'm kind of on at the moment. So I'm still trying to find a a, a psychologist, sorry, a psychiatrist Mm. to um, diagnose me because they're the ones who can give out the medicine. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I'm just sort of in a waiting period of, I know there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. <laughs> mm. But I have high suspicion that it's that it's uh, ADHD. So, yeah. Right. 
quite the uh, quite the journey. So yeah, that kind of that's kind of everything up till now. <laughs> How are you dealing with it now? Like, would you say that uh, whatever you're doing right now is uh, helpful in making you feel like things are at least normal? Feel like a little bit hmm. normal. I think for me, the one, the one thing that has made life a little bit easier is like I never, I never liked the label of being depressed or anxious because mm. it didn't suit me half the time. Half mm. the time, I'm like, I am not anxious and I'm definitely not depressed. Mm. Um, on a day to day basis, I have these belts and they come and go, but it just didn't sit well with me. Um, so having ADHD as, as a, as a label, I guess, mm. has enabled me to kind of, you know, I've learned a lot about it. And so, um, it's, it's kind of a crutch now where I can go, oh, okay. I understand why I'm doing these things. I can understand why this is frustrating because I know what I want to do, what typical people would do. Mm. Um, so I kind of have a little crutch now that it just makes a lot of sense and it just mm. makes things make sense. And, now that I've got something to put to it, I can go to the right places to get the right advice and help. Makes um, sense. So I, I'm in Facebook groups for people who have ADHD or suspect it. Um, mm. And something's, the things that they say and the things that they're doing just resonate so much more with me. So the advice makes more sense. Um, so right. I found that to be the most reward. Oh, uh, uh, what do you say? Like, not satisfying factory but like it's a thing that's kind of keeping me going until I get that um, absolute diagnosis which usually comes with being able to get the correct drugs um, right. because it is a neurological issue right so yeah I feel like I'm in a good place because I feel like I have something to to fall back on why I feel the way I do mm. whereas I don't think I had that previously and so it was just always frustrating. Like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. Why do I feel this way? And I don't know why none of the things that people say I should do are working. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas now it, things kind of work. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I yeah. completely agree with that. Because back then, so I'm going to dive into my story as well. But like for me, for when, um, you know, people would just say like, get some exercise and uh, you'll be fine tomorrow and it just <laughs> never made any sense right so being able to label it definitely is one of the key steps to feeling better at yep. least in my opinion as well mm. uh, yeah okay so my story um yeah uh <laughs> i had to really think about this while you were sharing your story as well actually because i i realized that it probably uh started much earlier than i uh, originally thought because mm. I mean as I've mentioned in our previous episode uh, this was something I thought everyone went through and was normal right and so I never really put much thought into it until I suppose I w got into uni and that's much after like a lot after uh, I think it was probably like when I turned 18 or 19 when I started to realize this wasn't this wasn't maybe 20 mm. um, further into college right when I realized that this wasn't something everyone experienced but yeah I think mm. okay so just starting from the beginning 
I was a little bit of a. I was a smart and chubby kid. So that those were the labels that were put on me as a mm. young child. And so, um, so, you know, having all of that baby fat in my parents not knowing how to feed me. Mm. Um, I was being fed a lot of sugar most of the time, wrecked my teeth. Um, mm. It had a go- I had a gorgeous sister. I mean, I still have a gorgeous sister who, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I still have a gorgeous sister who is, you know, she's seven years older than me. And so she uh, bloomed, obviously, much uh, earlier than I did. And so there was always that consistent comparison of like, why is your sister much prettier, th- prettier than you? Mm. Um, and so there was always that uh, form of comparison and I was chubby right a fat kid and so there was this constant perusal of my physical appearance and aside from that like being a very smart kid like I was valid uh, like salutatorian um, back when I was like in um, preschool like we had those things so early on wow. in life and Jeez. <laughs> yeah and so like there was always I was always uh like my parents would always say okay do your best to be valedictorian next time and so i would always be looking at the school boards of how high i was getting or mm. whether whether someone else was beating me in the ranks cuz it was constantly mm. up in the boards and so mm. there were so it was like a combination of these things of like being uh consistently judged and made to become perfect to some degree but, you know, as we've come to figure out later on in life that perfection doesn't exist and that, you know, even that con- constant struggle to be something um, can really take a toll on your mental well-being and mental health, right? And so I guess mm. that's where it started, right? Because I couldn't maintain that. Um, I mean, there will always be people who are smarter than you. And unfortunately, like, I'm not the smartest of them all. <laughs> Mm. Uh, nor do nor do I even want to be at this point, right? Because that comes with um a lot of other things as well, right? Being the smartest mm. in the group. Um, but in any case, like I am very blessed to have uh, to be with a lot of very smart uh, women because I uh, eventually transferred to an all-girls school Catholic all-girls school and so <laughs> I mean I was surrounded with a lot of uh, brilliant smart women so I know it was no longer the most the smartest kid in the block right mm. and so I guess like that consistent pressure from my parents and not consistently not being able to uh, uh, live up to their standards and wishes uh, I guess just slowly c- chipped off of my happiness. Mm. And I guess that's when the negative thinking patterns st- began, right? Because it's like, I'm doing my best, but I'm never enough. And, um, and not feeling appreciated for whatever I had at that moment. Mm. And never being able to achieve what was expected right Hmm. and i guess that's where it just kept on going right and and then in between that just trying to lose weight as a young child and Hmm. not having uh proper nutrition right because i was not eating enough um 
And I was eat like even when I was eating, I was eating junk as children would often want to eat, right? Mm. Like a lot of fast food. And so yeah, and it's just, you know, I grew up with that like a consistent and and no one really thought it was dysfunctional, right? Like and now that I see it, it seem it it really is dysfunctional, right? Like I wouldn't mm. wish that upon any child at all. And now it makes more sense, right? So fast forward, uh, I didn't really realize that I had it, uh, but I kept living with it, right? I felt like I was always under a dark cloud. I was never happy. Um, mm. I felt sad most of the time. I, and, you know, of course, I still enjoyed a lot of the things that uh, children would find fun. I had, I did a lot of sports, Um had fun with my friends but whenever i was alone that was when the uh, like like the, i feel like the darkness would hit me most of the time right because i wasn't distracted anymore um and i think my schooling really didn't help because in a catholic all-girls school like um i think it's more extreme back in the philippines because especially in my school in particular i'm not gonna I don't want to be in trouble for def- defamation, so I won't mention <laughs> which school it is. But in any case, um, they had very strict standards of mm. what a person should be like, or what a proper lady should be like. And um, there were a lot of things that I didn't necessarily agree with, but since mm. I was in the system, I had to uh, subject myself to it. And so I had to consistently keep changing myself to fit that mold um, and there was a lot of like, you know, made made being made to feel bad about doing certain things, you know. For example, like, you know, we we, we woke up so early just to pray, <laughs> mm. and you know, I don't know. At that time, I just I had more important things that I feel like I needed to do, study for the exam, for example. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, <laughs> but or just like being made to feel bad about showing skin, uh. And I realize now it's probably one of the reasons why I don't show as much skin as an adult. Um, not, I mean, of course, I can always like change it. But I feel like it's just years of conditioning, right? And now I just yeah. don't feel so comfortable. But in any mm. case, I was like, you know, I remember before someone got in trouble for like posting a b- bikini picture in... She was at the beach, for God's sake. Yeah, uh, She was almost expelled for that. Um, wow. Just for posting a bikini picture on Facebook, stuff like that. Um, so it's just a bunch of things, right? And yeah. uh, I think I only started to realize that this wasn't normal when I uh, I went on exchange to Japan, actually. Oh my goodness, I realized that that was the trigger where for the first time I, I was pulled out of my normal environment, yeah. right? And pushed into a situation where I never really like I had to be by myself right I Mm. um so no family around um but still under the safe walls of a program at school and that's when I realized that oh my god I've been sad this whole time um Mm. and that's when I realized that my environment was such a huge uh reason uh, or cause to making me feel so horrible all the time Mm. um but of course your mind comes with you right so although i was Mm. much happier in japan i realized this wasn't 
um, you know, I could be happy for, I could be happy if certain things would change. Mm. Um, because I was no longer under the, the, the consistent gaze and pressure of what I was going through back at home. Um, but all good things come to an end, unfortunately. And so I had to <laughs> go back and then I was thrown back into that same situation. And, uh, I mean, I thought I could deal with it, right? It was just like, all right, if I just change my situation, things would be better, is what I thought. Hmm. Um, I mean, easier said than done, right? Like, there are a lot of, of you know, when you're fa- like your family dis- is dysfunctional to some degree uh, hmm. and you're stuck with them, right? It's very hard to kind of pull yourself out of that. And so I did my best to change my circumstances when I hit when I was like really depressed at that time um, so I g- graduated from university and I was like I was suffering through um, an eating disorder at the time I wasn't eating enough again because you know uh, years of like being told that you were fat right and just a, mm. there were so many skinny ladies um, heroin chic was a thing at that time. Mm. Um, just you know, America's next top model, really skinny mm. girls and stuff. Yeah. So I wasn't eating enough. I was exercising too much. I uh, I wasn't doing the job that I wanted to do because my dad was. Um, he thought he 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 thinks he knows what the best is for me. Mm. And as a an obedient child, I just went for it. And I realized I just put myself in a situation that I was just really unhappy with. So it was a collection of all of, the, all of these things where I just found myself mm. in such a, like an awful dark hole. Um, that I, like, you know, I thought about killing myself really, like, for for the longest time and I knew that if I didn't do anything I was just it was gonna like it was gonna end all too soon and um I mentioned my dear friend I lost her around the same time we were actually discussing our struggles at that time together and losing her made me it was like a wake-up call for me you know because I Mm. When we lost her, I just thought about like the beautiful life she could have had if she mm. had not done that. And I have so much empathy for her, right, on what she went through. Mm. And so, like, not like I don't blame her for anything that she like that for the circumstances that brought her there. But I was thinking, like, if I think this way about my one, my beautiful, beautiful friend, about how things could have changed if she just pulled, if she, if she was just, you know, because it was her environment that was one of the bigger triggers there. Mm. So if she had only pulled herself out of that environment despite the pressure to stay, mm. then perhaps things would have changed. And so, um. I told myself, like, I, I'm going to survive for her. I'm hmm. going to live the life that, you know, I wish she could have lived as well for herself. And so that's that. I think that was the moment for me. I was just like, I have to, I have to get, like, I have to 
get help. I have to get out of this. Unfortunately, mm. I didn't have access to therapy at that time. I um, Online therapy wasn't a thing yet at that time. Um, and I was terrified of going to the doctor's office by myself. Mm. Um, yeah. And being seen there. Also, I wasn't sure if I could trust that ter- therapist. And so, in any case, mm. I kind of tried to just push everything uh, behind me use my friend's loss as a like a motivating factor to keep going and mm. I uprooted myself I took myself out of that situation which I knew was my primary trigger as it was mm. for her um, and I brought myself to Japan uh, went through a lot of shit for it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> Emily knows like the struggles mm-hmm. of like trying to make it in Japan but um Eventually survived it. Felt a little bit better. But then, you know, the consistent clock. Like, you know, it, I so I realized that I... I think by that time, I realized that I had high-functioning depression. Because no matter how many times I pulled myself out of situation, out of situation. No mm. matter how better things got. Like, there was always a consistent cloud, right? Mm. And I couldn't figure... Yeah, there's something to see about it. All catches up with you, right? Yeah, like you can run away from it for so long, but you you carry those things for a long time. That if you don't actually get the help that you need, or you don't address those things, it just even you can be in the best situation possible. It's, it catches up with you. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And so it did. It did. <laughs> it reared <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> its ugly head after a while. So I was working for about yep. two years. And the biggest, I think the biggest trigger for me at that time was both my work and uh, going through a heartbreak as well. It's funny how heartbreaks. Mm. Did you know that heartbreaks are actually, there's a study on this. It's as painful as a physical injury. Mm-hmm. Um and your brain reacts the same way as as when you are uh, like like when you have a broken bone. I think was what they described the pain as. Mm. So, um, yeah. So it I can see why it's a big trigger for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny how it was also for you earlier in your life. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> if you could see Emily she's laughing and then she's just I guess reminiscing those moments <laughs> I would love mm. to hear that story next time oh yes yes uh, good old I don't even know what his name was <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, how like unimportant it was but when you're a teenager you feel everything for so. sure yeah yeah to, so mm. yeah it was my for me it was my first heartbreak um, and also like things at work and so I was drinking myself to oblivion that I was waking mm. up drunk like Mm. uh, now that i think about it like i wonder how close i was to alcohol poisoning but like Mm. (laughs) um and that's Mm. when i knew that i had to seek out help that i i like because the 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 not the literal voices in my head but the inner critic right yeah the inner critic was just too loud and i couldn't deal with it anymore and alcohol alcohol was the only way i could find myself silencing Mm. those voices in my head and so yeah. I realized, okay, I need to get help. Um, and this is this was when BetterHelp was really helpful for me because it was accessible. Um, it was a little bit more affordable compared to a therapist in my 
like a physical therapist, right? Not not mm. a physical therapist, excuse me. Um, a therapist I could see physically offline. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> a physical therapist is a different therapist. <laughs> so I go and see a physical therapist. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <that's> my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, mm. I so that was helpful. Um, and uh, that's when I learned a lot of uh, helpful ways to deal with um, the voices in my head, right? And mm. that's when I started to feel a little bit better. Um, I realized mm. that a lot of my sadness, my high, fu- my high functioning depression is caused a lot by my thought patterns. Uh, mm. yeah. Years and years of uh, negative thinking. Mm-hmm. And... This is probably why uh, therapy, just therapy without the medication is helpful for someone like me because um, more a, a lot of what is going through my head is because of thought patterns rather than chemical imbalances. And so I don't necessarily mm. need yeah. medication um, yeah. unless I really fall uh, too deep into that, but thankfully yes. I yeah. caught it at a moment where it was still, uh, f- fi- fixable is fixable a word uh, treatable treatable, treatable. Mm-hmm. um with CBT, um mm. cognitive behavioral therapy for those who are not yes. familiar, um mm-hmm. so it's been getting better. Um now nowadays it's just usually triggered by specific situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still have very low moods. It's probably still below average, mm. but it wasn't as bad as it was before. Um, yes, yeah. And I can finally feel happy. Like back then, uh. I wouldn't. I feel like I never really experienced true happiness until mm. um, specific moments in my life. But now I feel like I can actually feel happy even with normal moments and days. Whereas back, yeah. Whereas back then, I'd be like, "Um, I'm okay." <laughs> hmm. And that's how I knew I didn't have um bipolar disorder because even though right. I like, you know, the high highs and the high, low lows. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's hmm. me. Um, I'm still going through th- going to therapy. Uh, it's kind of expensive, so. <laughs> um, I I've since then switched therapists and uh. Yeah, I, I, my therapist is great, so I wouldn't want to leave her. I want to stay, but yeah, it's expensive, mm. so it's really hard to maintain um, weekly on a weekly basis. So I go to see her as necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tougher, like when you, like when you're going through, for example, when you're going through tough financial situations. It's literally w- probably when you need therapy the most but yep. it's when you can't afford it the most <laughs> yep uh, so it's a tough balance to strike yeah. i think you can em- empathize with that emily right oh yeah 100 yeah. percent. that's one of the reasons that i can't afford it right now is as i'm saving up for my diagnosis mm. and that's probably the most expensive thing i have to pay for so um yeah. that's worth every penny because that gives me access to the help that i really need mm. um so it's it's kind of like I'm finding other ways of coping, which is for me mm. learning about my issues, understanding them, reframing them, you know, some self-medication in terms of like good things like watching lots of TV, taking lots of rests yeah. and just taking 
things step by step, day by day, and not um, overloading myself too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to do it cheap way. <laughs> the free therapy as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. or like talking with your friends, finding your yes. mini therapists. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> friends are very, very helpful for that. Um, yeah. Just while you were talking, it's really interesting. I I understand your story Weirdly enough, I, I understand your story quite a lot. Oh, I understand. Really? Or maybe it's just I'm really good at empathizing, but mm. um, there are parts of your story that, and uh, this is going to sound terrible, that don't resonate with me mm-hmm. because, and that's kind of the things that I was talking about with, with why I, I stuck with ADHD and wanted to pursue it because mm-hmm. I hear your story and I go, I understand all of those things, and but my mood is never... My mood is not always that low. Does mm. it make sense? Like I have those states where I am like something will trigger me and I'll yeah. you know, fall down the hill sort of thing. Yeah. But I like throughout my life, I've had experiences where I've been enthralled or like I've been deep into like my practice in terms of art or design mm. or, you know, there'd be times in university where I was like riding a high, which is why I looked at things like bipolar or BPD when I was thinking, is it bipolar? Is it BBD? Mm. And so I researched a lot of those things as well because I wanted to understand why it wasn't that either. Yeah. So there was a time before my cousin mentioned it, um, mentioned ADHD, that I was just sitting in this, I have no idea what's wrong with me. Mm. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't understand what's wrong with me. Why do I feel this way? Why the antidepressants don't work? The way yeah. that people say that they do. Yeah. Why I get in these moods, but I'm also having like riding highs. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from is like, this is why it actually has stuck with me because it's such a complex thing and it kind of, it fits in with the narrative of like, it's a really weird thing to say and it's probably going to come off wrong, but like I've always thought of myself as like um, the main character. <laughs> I love it. You are. like you, We are like all the, the main, main characters of our lives. Of, exactly, we are. <laughs> but it's like this feeling of like, why am I so different to everyone else? Mm. Why do I beat my own drum? Why do I do things that everyone else seems to think are odd? Why do I act the way they do? Why do I have these things? Why is my mood so strange? Why do I not resonate with people on certain things? So it's like, it was just a combination of that sort of thinking and feeling of like, there's something there, but I can't figure out what it is. Mm. Um, and it was my cousin that shed some light on it. I love it. And so you yeah, can really get clued in by family as well, right? Like, yeah, sometimes it's really just in the blood. Um, mm, yeah, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's yeah. it's there sometimes, and it's a good way to get clued into possibilities because yeah. i think my mom also yeah. went through a depressive episode uh but she's also of a different different generation so i don't think she sees it that way um yes, yeah. so yeah i remember before she'd just be stuck in in her room in in like in the dark just sleeping all day mm. and so i realize now as an older uh person who is much aware of these things that she was probably going through a depressive episode but on your note, mm. like I, I think I'm the same with you, right? I I see you and I hear your story and I find it so fascinating because um our experiences are so different, right? And that's why we mm. circle back to the previous episode that it really just comes in any f- in very different forms, even for the same yeah. diagnosis, right? Um yeah. and so uh 
yeah, like the way that Emily couldn't identify necessarily with what 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 I was going through, and the same for me. Like it was, it whatever I'm experiencing is not necessarily the same for her. But these are great clarifiers to figure out what you're actually what you actually have, right? And being able mm. to maybe eventually label that uh, is a great way to, um, you know. F- you know, just be able to maybe find solutions eventually, right? To seek yeah. advice, as men- Emily mentioned yeah. a while ago, because, you know, when I heard in the same vein, um, and mm. I completely agree with you, Emily, when um, when I was hearing about people who were depressed, like, that wasn't me. I was still going to school. Yeah. I was performing yep. really well-ish, yep. <laughs> as best as I could, <laughs> you know? Yep. So I was doing good. So it never really made sense to me to label myself as depressed and so i only figured out that was you know that that high functioning depression was a thing through the internet and then i was just like oh my god that's me and uh, you know being able to label that helped me find ways to be able to deal with that and that's how i knew that okay i need therapy um You, you've, it's really important to know exactly what it is because it, it opens the right doors because exactly. there's nothing worse than going to therapy, for example, and it's just not working. It's like, why doesn't this work? Why does this keep happening? You know, all these things that people suggest for me for what could be depression just aren't me or they don't work for me or mm. whatever it is. And, and it's just kind of nice to um, sometimes keep get digging and searching and finding those answers because every brain is different but there are certain things that work for different brains does that make sense yes 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 (laughs) there are certain things that work if you know exactly what you're treating but if you don't know what you're treating then it's not going to work yes and and sometimes like uh even if you don't let's say you can't find out by yourself like finding a good Mm. um psychiatrist or uh therapist to Mm. help you identify that can be um great because i have a really good friend um and her ther- like my I recommended my therapist to her and my therapist was able to identify that um that her PTSD was actually triggered by her current job which was weird mm. because it's not ne- wow. necessarily the same situation right but it was being triggered by it and you know being able to identify that was like it it made so much sense or it clicked and that's when yep yep it started to get better yep so that's exactly me. As soon as I, once it clicked, I'm like, oh, okay. And then things started to look better because I had an answer almost. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, I'm still in that waiting period of like, I want an official diagnosis. I and hope you even, get it soon. Not everyone, <laughs> not everyone needs an official diagnosis. But yeah. But for this particular thing, it, it's the thing that's really hitting the nail in the coffin and like, just means I can kind of move forward. Yeah. Knowing I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, there is the chance that I do the, the assessment and it comes back negative. Um, or they say I don't have it, mm. but they could come back with something that's um, more correct. You know, like mm. only good can come from that. You know, it's not this, but it's also possibly this. Yeah. So it's just it's just kind of like, yeah, just easing the stress a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 I totally agree with that. And yeah, let, let me see if I can find some resources to like maybe a list of s- some... Um, key uh, mental disorders or um, illnesses or just uh, I wouldn't even do that I would honestly um, I might recommend some YouTube channels that you guys could okay watch. that'd be great let's put um, them in the show notes because then. yeah 
I think from there's some really good people out there who make really good YouTube videos um, Love it. who are clinical in, in the psychology and That'd psychiatry. That'd be great. Yeah. Let's share those yeah. resources with our listeners. And it might just like, it might, you know, you might see something that might be interesting. You'd be like, oh, that's not me. But I also want to learn about what yeah. is bipolar disorder or yeah. what is BPD. And like maybe through that, it might help you understand yourself. Or maybe you see something in that that, you know, you can teach or learn something about (laughs) yeah and it's really fascinating and i have so many friends who are going like i think the strongest friends i have i mean everyone is strong and brilliant and wonderful Mm. but you know the ones the strongest that i have are the ones who survived mental illness and are going through it still so um yeah i actually asked my friend if she would be willing to so she has bpd asked her if she'd mm. be willing to talk about her experiences here because it's such a fascinating like I, I she's the first person first friend i have who is going through it and so mm. i mean i don't have it so i don't really fully understand it and be i feel like it'd be yeah. such a fascinating conversation to ask her experience and how she overcame it and is still going through it right mm. so yeah um so this was a great conversation. Um, I feel like yeah, maybe it was fun. <laughs> yeah, hopefully um so it's, it's kind of therapeutic in a way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I hope maybe some people through listening uh to our stories, they were probably maybe hopefully saw some patterns that perhaps could give them a little bit of clues as to hmm. you know if you're going yeah. through something. You know, or maybe it'll make you feel like you're not alone and that you're not as weird as you thought. Although Emily and I are (laughs) weird in general. Oh, I love it. I wouldn't ask for a a different person. I like being weird. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I will send, uh, I will put some resources in our show notes for... Mm -hmm hotlines if you're going through a tough time you are not alone please do not go through this alone mm-hmm. um we are here for you and uh the resource hopefully the resources we send can also help you out please don't give up please reach out yes and you can always message us too like oh yeah if you want to message us we yeah, are here yeah course. actually you can message us please if you yes we would prefer that over anything else well, <laughs> talk to your yeah. friends your family whatever you need to do but yeah. yes if you need someone to talk to then yeah reach yeah. out to us yeah all right thank you so much and um talk to you again next time see ya Sounds good. bye guys Bye-bye.